0: Hello, and welcome to One World, One Health, a place to talk about ways to improve the health of our planet and its people. I'm Maggie Fox. Our planet faces so many challenges, pollution, climate change, and new and re-emerging infectious diseases like COVID. This podcast is brought to you by the One Health Trust with bite-sized conversations with people who are helping. One big threat to people around the world is the emergence of drug-resistant superbugs, infections that resist most of the drugs developed to treat them, and sometimes all of them. In this episode, we're talking to Dr. Lois Ombajo, infectious disease specialist and senior lecturer at the University of Nairobi. She also heads the infectious disease unit at the Kenyatta National Hospital. Dr. Lois, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Maggie, for having me. Dr. Lois, you have some experience with these antimicrobial resistant organisms. Can you tell us about some you've had to deal with lately? Thanks, Maggie. So uh, I think one of the things I notice in
1: my work as an infectious disease specialist is that most of the infections I manage now, particularly in hospitals and critical care settings, tend to be caused by bugs that are resistant to the commonly used antibiotics. And if I think about specific cases or specific situations where we've had a struggle, I think I'll go back to our critical care units. And we've had situations where patients have a true superbug that's resistant to every single antibiotic available to us here. So I'll give you one example. Not too long ago, we had a patient who I was asked to help managing. This patient had an infection by a bacteria that we call Pseudomonas aeruginosa. It is one of those bacteria that's known to be truly resistant to multiple antibiotics. But in this particular case, the patient had been to multiple hospitals, had even been to another country to look for care for underlying cancer. And in the process of getting care, he also acquired an infection with this superbug. So at the time we were managing him, all the antibiotics that were available to us in the country could not treat this infection. And we had to go to the extent of asking the family to ship in another drug to try and see if it would work. Unfortunately, it did not work. But one of the things that struck us was that the cost of taking care of him with the antibiotics that we had available was extremely high. And I'll give an example here. There's one of the new antibiotics that we may use for resistant bugs, but a dose of 10 days would cost about $10,000. And where this patient had to bring a drug from another country, the cost went way above that one. So it's not just that these bugs cause death, managing them is very expensive.
0: This is so interesting because these cases cost resources across the board right not just the family that was involved but the the hospital the doctors the other patients all got pulled into this. I think you put it
1: very well that it's a burden for multiple people. So for the patient because of the cost of care the prolonged hospital stay the family having to you know deal with having a close family member loved one in hospital critically ill for so long, the financial burden on the family as well. When you think about the hospital, it's not just the cost of taking care of one patient. When we have a patient who has a resistant bug, we have to be very careful to ensure that it is not spread within the hospital, which means all the healthcare workers have to wear what we call protective clothing. They have to think about uh, how they go into this room that has this patient, how they interact with the patient and come out of the room. And there's always that risk that they may be spread to other patients, which is truly disastrous to a hospital in that context. Nationally, as we get um, bugs that are increasingly resistant, it means that the ministries of health have to rethink the sort of antibiotics that are stocked into a country, and that comes with a
0: significant cost. And sometimes despite all of these efforts, these infections end up spreading anyway. That's true. So I'd give you sort of a, a snapshot
1: of what happens when we have such a patient. So one, you want to make sure that this patient is in what we call isolation. They have to be nursed in a room on their own, which is of course more expensive than if you're nursed in a general world with other patients. Every doctor, every nurse, every person who's taking care of his food, those who are coming in to take blood samples, those who are coming in to do um, x-rays or rather imaging, Uh, those who are coming to help with physiotherapy, all have to be uh, very knowledgeable in how to prevent spread. They all have to wear the right thing, wear it the right way, wear it at the right time and remove it at the right time. Which means if there's a, a break in that chain, then there's a risk of spread. And globally, you will hear examples of outbreaks within a hospital unit where one patient has a resistant bug and with time you begin to notice it in other patients is because there's a break in that chain of infection prevention and control. And when that happens, then it means now you have multiple patients for who you have to do the same thing. That really takes
0: up the cost, but also takes up a lot of time of the healthcare workers. But in the end, even all of that effort didn't help. The patient died. Yes.
1: Um, It's very unfortunate. But what we know is that when someone has an infection with a superbug or a bug that is resistant to antibiotics, then the risk of dying is probably about three times as high as a risk of dying if someone had an infection that is not resistant. So already, even as you're beginning to expand these resources, you know that the risk of death is high. And this risk is on top of the risk that's brought about by the underlying diseases, whether it is cancer that brought this patient in or heart disease or whatever other disease. So we are giving, um, one person has an extraordinarily high risk of dying. And after expending such resources, you can imagine the place where the family is at. They're always hopeful, always reaching for the next suggestion that the doctors have with the hope that this will work. But we know that when you have infection with the resistant
0: bugs, the risk of death is significantly high. So Dr. Lois, what are you doing to help? You've got some ideas and some plans.
1: We're trying, and we have done some work around trying to reduce antimicrobial resistance, so just the emergence of these resistant bugs. And we have to go back to understanding what causes emergence of bugs. And one of the biggest causes is um, excessive use of antibiotics. You see, bugs are pretty clever. You expose them to an antibiotic, they develop mechanisms to survive in the presence of that bug and the mechanisms to survive is what we call resistance. So the more antibiotics you expose bugs to, the more resistance they acquire in order that they may continue to survive. So for us, some of the biggest challenges is excessive antibiotic use, not just within hospitals, but also in the community. And excessive antibiotic use in the community is brought about by several factors. One, we have context where someone can buy an antibiotic over-the-counter, without having seen a doctor, without getting a prescription. And you may end up taking the wrong antibiotic for the wrong indication to taking it for too long. We also have people who may decide, I used this antibiotic last time and it worked, so I won't finish my dose because I've gotten better. But next time I feel a little worse, I'll take the remnant of this antibiotic or share antibiotics at home. So that is a big deal because it means we begin to select for these resistant bugs in the home. When you come into hospitals, just by virtue of the fact that people are quite sick within the hospital, there's high antibiotic use. And uh, one of the ways of protecting antibiotics is what we call antibiotic stewardship, that we use this antibiotic so well that they're available for future patients and for a long time to come. So we're doing a lot of work around antimicrobial stewardship. Our initial focus is within hospitals, uh, helping healthcare workers to use antibiotics only when necessary, use the right antibiotics and for the right duration of treatment. If we do this consistently, then we reduce the emergence of these superbugs. And going forward, it's around thinking around how do we ensure that people sitting at home do not use antibiotics when they do not need to. So antimicrobial stewardship is really the cornerstone of preventing these infections. The other area that you work in is around infection prevention and control. And this is a package of measures that we use within healthcare facilities to prevent people from getting infections. And if we prevent you from getting infections, then we don't have to use antibiotics, which goes back to the issue of stewardship. But beyond preventing people from getting infections, it's around ensuring that infections do not spread while in the hospital. So those two really are the anchor for Prevention of emergence of superbugs.
0: And both of these factors go against basic human nature, right? So, if there's a pill that works, doctors want to use it to help patients. And of course, the patients want to have it.
1: There is. And I mean, as you say, it goes against human nature. And I probably recall when we were at the height of the COVID 19 pandemic, and there'd be all these myths around what works and what doesn't work. And one of the early myths was that a certain type of antibiotic would help reduce you know, the symptoms and cure COVID-19. And with that, everybody went wild and everybody wanted to buy this antibiotic. And we saw very high use of antibiotics during that time. It was really around self-preservation. If we know there's something that's going to work, we want to use it. But the truth was that this antibiotic did not work. So um, it really calls for a lot of uh, educating people that antibiotics don't work where they're not indicated, that antibiotics are the potential to be harmful if used in the wrong way.
0: Because COVID's a virus, of course, and antibiotics don't work against viruses, although that's sometimes hard to remember or understand.
1: That's true, because when people think of infections, uh, we think every infection is caused by the same things. Uh, but if you think of common infections like the common cold or a sore throat You know, those are caused by viruses and antibiotics only treat bacteria. They don't treat viruses. Yet some of these infections are the commonest reasons for antibiotic use. Are these methods that will work elsewhere in the world? These are fairly standard methods. So antimicrobial stewardship is a concept that really should be embraced by every single hospital or healthcare facility globally. Infection prevention should be, Um, at the forefront of management of every single patient, wherever they may be in the world. So these are things that should be done everywhere. Um, There are challenges in some contexts. I work in a resource-limited setting where uh, enforcement of some of these measures may be difficult. So, for example, uh, control of antibiotic purchase from community pharmacies. Even though it's a policy, it is not enforced. So we really are trying to work with the ministries of health to see how this can be enforced. There are many countries globally where you cannot just walk up to a pharmacy and buy an antibiotic. And that has to be the standard that we all aim for. Dr. Lois, what can the average person do, someone who's not a doctor like you? i think it starts from home like all good things start from home so how we teach people good manners at home we probably have to start thinking of what are the things that will ensure that we live a healthy life for a long time and one of those is beginning to remember that antibiotics can be harmful even though they are excellent drugs that save lives Used wrong, they can be harmful. So from home, people need to think around, how do I avoid using antibiotics? If I have an infection, uh, you know, some of the common infections that you talked about, like a common cold or a sore throat, you probably just need something to reduce the fever, maybe something to soothe the throat. You don't need an antibiotic. If you're feeling worse than that, then you need to see a healthcare worker who can then give you the right medication. So starting from home, uh, there's a role of governments around enforcement of things like uh, ensuring antibiotics are not uh, available over the counter without prescriptions. And of course, then the role of the hospitals in ensuring infection is prevented.
0: Dr. Lois, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us.
1: Thank you so much, Maggie. It was great talking to you.
0: Listeners can share this podcast, which is brought to you by the One Health Trust, by email, Twitter, or your favorite social media platform. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about at O-W-O-H. That's O-W-O-H at OneHealthTrust.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to
1: One World, One Health, brought to you by the One Health Trust. I'm Ramanan Lachminarayan, founder and president of the One Health Trust. You can subscribe to One World, One Health on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at One Health Trust, one word for updates on One World, One Health and the latest in research on One Health issues like drug resistance, disease spillovers and the social determinants of health. Finally, please do consider donating to the One Health Trust to support this podcast and other initiatives and research that help us promote health and well-being worldwide. Until next time.